Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of daily fantasy sports and gambling. So you can stop Googling how to join a squid game to cover all those parlays you thought were such a sure thing. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday night. Uh, We are going to be talking PGA. We got the Players' Championship on tap early in the morning, so I'm going to give my thoughts on the DFS slate and my bets uh, for the week and see if we can get an outright winner. It is uh, quite a bit of news in the NFL as well. Obviously, we had the Russell Wilson trade from the Seahawks to the Broncos, as well as Carson Wentz in the consolation prize for the Washington Commanders. A terrible name still. Still is a terrible name. I don't know what anyone can say to Washington, but it's a terrible name. But uh, they have settled since they lost out on the Russell Wilson deal. They are trading two first-round picks for Carson Wentz. We'll get into the Russell Wilson stuff uh, later. Hopefully, uh, we'll we'll probably recap it either Friday or sometime over the weekend to break truly break down that trade because Seattle's in rebuild mode. Denver is announcing themselves amongst the big boys, and the AFC is so hard right now that the Chiefs are going to be ruining the day that they opted to go for that extra play at the end of the half against the Bengals instead of just kicking the field goal and take care of business in the second half. It is such a massive, massive uh, mistake that it's the ramifications are just expanding. And the same goes for the Bills. The Bills window, I mean, again, the AFC is going to be so loaded uh, right now with stacked teams. To get out of there, I mean, it's going to be a Herculean effort. Just straight up. It's like you're going to need health and luck because everyone's talented enough to win the Super Bowl uh, in in the AFC with uh, some of the, the big-time uh, names that you can uh, rattle off. And listen, as much as I rip on Brandon Staley and the Chargers, in spite of Staley literally shooting his team in the foot, the Chargers have so much talent that they're still going to be a problem for the rest of the AFC West and the AFC in general. Just so much talent in the AFC. But uh, anyway, let's get into it. Uh, we got to talk about the Players' Championship. So uh, we're, uh, we're at TPC Sawgrass, uh, par 72 course. Uh, it is the... Pearl, I guess you would say, or like the crowning achievement, I guess, of Pete Dye, the legendary golf uh, architect. But uh, so the, uh, so you'll hear everyone say Pete Dye design. Uh, that's why it's because created by Pete Dye, who designed uh, so many uh, golf courses. But this is the one everyone talks about a lot. And. Truth be told, this is one of the hardest uh, golf courses uh, to navigate, even though it plays to amateur golfers year-round. It's a public golf course. I mean, for the majors, they make it even harder. 
And because of the elements that you're going to be dealing with, more often than not, it's just the ball placement and trying to hit it on a pin. It can roll off. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. And of course, there's tons of water all around. So out of the 18 holes, 17 of them have water. So it's just... (laughs) It's a lot of hazards, especially with uh, hole number 17, which basically year round, uh, uh, folks have done the math. Uh, there there are an estimated 100,000 golf balls that end up in the, in the clink uh, every year at hole 17, just because it's hard to hit. It is hard to hit that one. It's a par three. It's very, it, it's hard to hit it. And it, even if you get it on the green, if you get it wrong, it'll roll off and you're in the water. It's just that simple. So uh, you're you're going to need to have uh, iron play, to be honest, on this golf course uh, from uh, just looking at it in years past. And because it's such a deep field, because you're getting basically 140 of the best golfers, period, it's hard to win. So when it comes down to uh, DFS pricing, the pricing gets flattened out where you're getting the top guys, but you're getting a ton of excellent golfers at low prices. So uh, one of the things that I always uh, have to kind of remember to take my notes on, and I, and I always remember this, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, it's so true. Even if you go back to the last couple of years of this tournament, uh, obviously we, uh, we lost out uh, uh, 2020 due to COVID. Uh, when Hideki was crushing, but uh, after the first round, you are likely to see uh, in the winter a golfer seventy five hundred or less, and uh, because outside, uh, like in the last couple of years, you've had out of the top ten scores uh, for fantasy uh, uh, scores, at least. Four of them were 7,500 or under. We've had up to six uh, 7,500 and, uh, 7, and under scores just in the top 10 alone. Now, obviously, DFS scoring and the actual uh, real-life golf scoring are very different because in DFS, it accentuates getting birdies and eagles when you can. So guys who are going to be aggressive because they're already falling behind uh, because they may have hit a water hazard they may still score more than guys who just grind around the course and get pars. You know, it it is what it is. But the thing you also have to kind of keep in mind is, you know, you can easily get cut. So it's not as though uh, you can skate by the first couple of days. If you don't putt well uh, on the POA, and if you get in the water, you could easily miss the cut here. It, it's not, uh, it's not unlikely. And you know, we saw this last year where you know, 2020 uh, obviously got canceled after the first round due to COVID. Hideki was crushing. You know, 2021 rolls around. We're all jumping up and down to play Hideki. And Hideki, even though uh, you know he he would win the Masters, he missed the cut here at the um, uh, players, and it wasn't close. 
it's not easy. So there is very little, I would say, is safe when it comes to the Players' Championship. I will say that, you know, you try to focus on guys who can play well on irons, and you you want to have the off-the-tee game, and hopefully you get guys who are good on approach, and you go from there. But, you know, let's uh, let's just start talking about the guys at the top of the range uh, for DFS purposes. So, obviously, we got world number one, John Rahm, uh, 11, uh, just over 11K on uh, DraftKings, 11,100, and he's 12,100 on FanDuel. That extra $100 difference on both sides, uh, on top of being 11, uh, 10, 11K and 12K, it, it's a... You know, when you start pricing out lineups, it gets really hard to fit in ROM. I'll be honest. I want to play ROM, but man, you got to make some sacrifices to play ROM because of him being extra expensive. And, you know, yes, you can, uh, you're not saving that much by uh, pivoting off a of ROM to go to Justin Thomas, but it is not easy getting ROM into your lineups. Uh, truth be told, because uh, I've I've been crunching no uh, crunching numbers the last couple of days, and still not the easiest to to make Rom builds work to a point where I feel really satisfied. And the in you know we're up here on Wednesday night. I'm still not sure if Rom's going to make my main lineup or not. But uh, you know, still want to come on do the the uh, uh, the show. But realistically, Rom's ownership is trending down. And it's because he's been struggling with the putter. And folks are getting a little bit tired of paying Rom at the top of the range for Rom, even though he hasn't missed any cuts. He's still been going through these tournaments, making cuts, getting top 20s. But people expect John Rom to be winning tournaments and not getting top 20. That's the blessing and the curse of being the uh, world number one. Now, with that being said, if you do look at the head to heads, you know, Rom is still a uh, twelve to one favorite. Head to head, he's favored over Morikawa. He's favored over Scheffler. He's favored over everyone else. Head to head, if you're betting it outright, uh, John Rom versus a uh, uh, any pick any golfer, he's favored. You know, it just kind of comes down to roster construction wise, what you can do with Rom. Try to get him in there. The guys, uh, I'll tell you right off the bat, I am not playing uh, this week. Roy McElroy, you know, I went against my better judgment last week because he had had such great numbers in the past at the Arnold Palmer Invitational that, you know, it was the fear of missing out uh, that I got caught with because I knew Roy could uh, do well in that course. And, you know, it worked out well uh, in the first round. He was the first round leader and completely whiffed and bombed out the rest of uh, the tournament and then was complaining about the weather conditions. Listen, if you're complaining about weather conditions at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the Players' Championship, listen, it it's only going to get worse from here. I cannot uh, recommend playing Rory at all this week. And I know people are going to play him because he's Rory McIlroy. He's former number one. You know, people want to play him. I just think it's not a good play. Uh, you know, I, I, I 
I've chalked this up with uh, there are a couple of guys I'm going to say are just not good plays this week. Maybe they get there, but I just don't see it out of Rory. It, like the, he has not been closing out tournaments, so he gets in these spots where you know he's still potentially in contention and not pulling the trigger. He cannot get over the hump right now, and to me, this is not the course you want to be uh, second guessing yourself on shot selection. Because it can go south in a hurry. So, uh, next up, we got Colin Morikawa, uh, 10,700 on DraftKings, 11,800 on FanDuel. Uh, you know, was uh, 41st in his uh, inaugural trip uh, uh, to Sawgrass last year. But, you know, he did, had a, he did have a nice final round. I, you know, I remember this because. You know, I had played Morikawa, you know, was hoping for him to kind of turn it on day three. It just didn't happen. He just kind of languished there and took up a ton of salary and a bunch of builds. And, you know, it's just one of those things you remember. So, you know, Morikawa has uh, has the ball striking to do anything at any golf course. I don't worry about Morikawa from that standpoint. The biggest thing is uh, the putter, and you're going to hear that a lot. You know, right now we're questioning John Rahm's putter. Morikawa, you know, he's uh, he's gained strokes putting in his last couple of events, but not exactly uh, the guy you really would feel comfortable uh, with taking a putter. I always equate it to. Uh, watching LeBron shoot free throws. Yeah, can he make them? Certainly. But you're not exactly the most confident when he's doing it. In crunch time, yeah, you think he's going to get it done. But until it actually goes through the hoop, you are not remotely confident that he's actually going to make it. Speaking of questionable putters, we got Justin Thomas. 10,400 on DraftKings, 11,900 on FanDuel. Defending champion, obviously, he won it last year, but he, you know, he had a hot, hot putter in that tournament last year and got it done uh, over the course of the weekend last year. You know, the question is, you know, we all know Justin Thomas is an excellent ball striker. Uh, Not as good as Morikawa, but JT is right there. The question is, where's his putter at? And in recent tournaments, he's been solid. Not nothing spectacular, but he's been solid enough that, you know, Thomas is going to be one of the one of, if not the most popular play in the 9K and up range, in my opinion. I just think that uh, you know, casual folks are gonna look at it and say, who won the tournament last year? They're gonna see Justin Thomas and they're gonna see three other guys priced above him, and they're gonna say, Oh, I get a discount on Justin Thomas. Let me play him. So I think Thomas is going to get ownership here. I don't worry about golf ownership the way I would with other sports because hardly ever are you going to see somebody who's 35, 40% owned in a golf, in a golf contest. It just really doesn't happen all that often barring, you know, something weird happening where you get a top uh, 10 golfer in an incredibly weak field and you know everyone's just 
looking to play him because he's the best guy at the course. Uh, you know, in this case, we've got Thomas who can repeat, but the evidence leans more towards Thomas playing well because, you know, outside of winning uh, last year, he was uh, a tie for 35th in 2019, T11 in 2018, uh, 17. Uh, he made the cut, but wasn't even a factor. He was tie 75. And in 2016, he was tied third. You know, he can easily get it done. It's just, you, I look at it as, you know, if you're only playing one or two lineups, you're probably not going to get different enough in most spots, unless you start playing some of the guys I'm going to be talking about later, uh, when you're playing Thomas. I'll definitely have Thomas in my pool, and I'll probably get over the exposure of, uh, uh, what's being projected because they're uh, anywhere from 15 to 25 percent ownership, uh, depending on the sites you're looking at, uh, is what he's projected for. I think I can get, uh, you know, playing 150 play and maxing out like the five dollar tournament. Uh, probably won't max out the 15. Uh, oh, by the way, there is a Millie Maker contest on DraftKings. Uh, Actually, I said, I misspoke. I said 15, I meant 25. Uh, so there's a $25 entry Millimaker contest on DraftKings. They also have a $2,222 uh, Millimaker that I will likely not be in because I couldn't get any, win any tickets for it. But, uh, you know, eh, hell, that, that content's probably filled too. Uh, uh, <laughs> judging, uh, uh, judging by where I last looked at it, because there was only a couple of spots left. But, uh, yeah, they, dep- looking at some of those contests, though, uh, DK, you got to do better with the two tw- uh, the 222 uh, uh, contests uh, because you've got a million dollars up top, second place is 100K, third place is 60K. I mean, you got a bunch of guys throwing in entries uh, like uh, that are running over two grand a clip. You know, in order to even get anywhere remotely close to your money back, you got to finish top 10. The, it's the only way you're actually going to make any money in that contest. Uh, DK knows it's a terrible structure, but come on. It's like, we can do better than that. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here, but uh, the other guys in the 10 K range uh, uh, that uh, we have to talk about here, Victor Hovland, you know, great form. Been, Excellent off the tee, is striking the ball well. Like his form is excellent. Uh, you know, definitely a guy you can pivot off of JT too. Uh, I have no concerns about playing Hoblin this week. Uh, just in terms of uh, his course history, though, uh, let, uh, he only played it once last year and he got cut. Uh, you know, just one of those things where his skill sets fit very well for this course. I know he got cut last year. I'm going to look at it as a one-off and his form is a lot better coming into the tournament this year than it was uh, uh, heading into it last year. So I'm going to get benefit of doubt and go with Hovland in some of my builds. So, but that, that is also the 10K guy. So just to kind of summarize it, you know, Rom, Morikawa, Thomas Hovland, all in the mix. Rory definitely getting uh, cut out the mix uh, 
in terms of uh, players of play. I just don't see it with Rory this week. Uh, as we get through the rest of the 9K range, Patrick Cantlay, obviously the FedEx Cup champion. I don't know what I'm uh, necessarily doing with Cantlay because he he missed a cut last, uh, last year, missing 2019, and in 2018 and 2017, he was uh, tied for 23rd and tied for 22nd. Cantlay certainly can uh, be a factor in his tournament. I just look at it from the standpoint of his best strengths. I think he can get better with the guys up top. So to me, Cantlay is more of a salary play. If you're trying to get a little bit different by getting off of JT and you don't want to pay for Hovland, but I think Hovland is a better option than Cantlay for just $200 more. I don't know. That's just my take on it. Uh, but, uh, so Cantlay's not uh, ninety nine hundred, and then on uh, Fanduel he's eleven thousand seven hundred. You know, the uh, like at twenty to one, not not a crazy play. It's just I feel as though you can get uh, there with uh, so, uh, some of these other guys. So not going too crazy over Cantlay. Xander Shoffley kind of in the same boat here. Uh, but the weird part was. As Xander hasn't been exactly uh, lighting it up in in my standpoint, I know, I you know, it's just he did well at the waste management. I, I will say that he did get a third at the waste management. I just look at it from the standpoint of I didn't see a ton of surging or him like stalking players down. It just kind of seemed by the numbers. So Xander is one of those guys that you can't play everyone. It's not that I hate him at all in terms of making the cut. It's just I'm not entirely sold on him scoring well enough uh, in terms of being on the winner. I think he can still be in the mix, kind of grinding out the course, but I don't see him putting up any monster scores early and often and getting himself into the weekend. I look at as, you know, he makes the cut. He's hovering around uh, the mix uh, for quite some time. And, you know, eventually he gets into the top 20 this week uh, uh, in final standings. That that would be my pick for Xander. But I don't think top 20 is necessarily what you're putting up for in terms of uh, uh, DFS scoring. I think you're going to want a little bit more, uh, a little bit more uh, bang for your buck in terms of going for a ceiling uh, performance. I think, you know, I think Xander works for cash games. I'm just not entirely sold on Xander as a uh, bonafide GPP play, given some of the other options you can go with. Uh, Hideki, uh, again, one of the reasons why. Hideki's $100 less than Xander on DraftKings. He's 10900 on FanDuel. It's even more of a price difference. And we know Hideki can win uh, this tournament. Uh, you know, he's been playing great golf. You know, he's uh, definitely had some uh, uh, good finishes here, a couple of top tens. Uh, as I said, everyone was all in on Hideki last year, got cut, took out a bunch of the field with him. But if you look at it again, 
I think he has better win equity than a, a ton of guys up here. So I think Hideki most certainly is in play. So next up, Xander can't. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm man, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I already said Xander and Cantley and combined the names. I was trying to say Cameron Smith, uh, aka the guy who took uh, uh, Jordan Spieth's mojo, because a lot of the crazy shots and re- recovery shots that Spieth used to be hitting. Cameron Smith seems to have gotten that kind of mojo at, at tournaments these days. You know, the Aussie should play well if uh, the conditions get bad around uh, bad over the weekend. The question is, can he avoid enough danger with the water hazards with his driver? Because he's one of, uh, one of the least accurate guys with the driver amongst the field. I don't know if Cameron Smith is going to make... Uh, my GPP pool just because I have so many guys that are closer to being a safer play uh, than Smith that you know you can't play everyone and I know some people believe in playing 100 plus golfers I, I'm just not one of those dudes I would rather keep a tight player pool play 40 or less guys probably uh, probably around 35 or so, to be honest. But you just can't play everyone, and Cameron Smith is probably going to end up on the cutting room floor uh, just because I don't trust the driver enough to make him part of uh, some of my uh, main builds. And finally, wrapping up the 9K range, we got Scotty Scheffler. You know, he's coming on as the hottest golfer in the PGA Tour right now. Uh, won again uh, last week at the uh, Genesis, and you know, I mean, uh, last week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and then uh, he had the seventh at the Genesis. You know, <clears> oh, <throat> then waste management, and then uh, another win at the waste man. I, you know, I look at this. <clears throat> excuse me, I look at this, and Scheffler is playing the best golf right now out of everyone. You know. He's his iron play is on point. He's been getting on strokes, putting. I just look at this and kind of say, you know, Scheffler may end up being on my main team just to get a little bit different from because I know folks want to play JT and Morikawa. And not as much Rom, but I could see myself getting to Rom and Scheffler, and and I'll talk about uh, some of the uh, the, other, the other ranges. But uh, you know, having at least two of the guys in the nine k and ten k ranges, like at least take two guys from uh, the nine k and up ranges, and go from there. Because as I look through the eight k range. I look at a bunch of guys that I'm not entirely sold why their pricing is where it is versus some of the other guys I see in the 7K range, but I'll, I'll get to that shortly. And, you know, the last guy I didn't mention in the 9K range that uh, I know folks will ask, you know, why I didn't mention him, but, like, if you were listening closely, you would have heard. You know, Jordan Spieth is 9K. I look at it as a case where 
you play Jordan Spieth when Jordan Spieth's hot. Jordan Spieth has not been hot at all. And he wasn't in great form heading into the Ryder Cup. His form hasn't really improved that much since the Ryder Cup. He's had, you know, he's just been kind of there. And if anyone I'm going to take with an erratic driver that it will scramble, I'll just take Cameron Smith. He, he's been a little bit better overall. Speed has just not been there, and the driver is scary. At a course like this where you need to be able to drive the ball accurately, the idea of playing Speed, I just don't get it. His history is not good here. Uh, his best finish in multiple years at TPC Sawgrass is tied for 41st. He's missed the cut multiple times over the last eight years. I, you know, I don't get it why pe- people are trying to talk themselves and play Jordan's, uh, Jordan Speed. I, I really don't get it. Uh, he may, act, you know, I talk about Roy being a bad play. Speed may be the worst play of the entire week for the folks rostering him. I'm hoping Jordan Speed's ownership hits uh, double digits. I don't think it will, uh, just because even the projections. While they usually are under what Spieth ends up being, I still can't see uh, Spieth being double-digit ownership this week. I, I just don't see it. I'd love for it because I know it will bust in, in all likelihood, but I just don't see it happening. All right, so just so I don't belabor the point, this middle-tier range of uh in the eight case i flat out don't like most of these plays the only plays that i actually feel somewhat okay about are adam scott and shane lowry adam scott 8200 on DraftKings, 9700 on fanduel shane lowry 8k on DraftKings, 9600 on fanduel because Scott and Lowry both like playing on tough courses, and they are not phased by poor weather that you are likely to see over the weekend. Some of the other names that, that we talk about here, uh, Will Zalatoris, questionable with the driver. Daniel Berger, yes, he plays uh, in Florida, but he doesn't necessarily fare all that well in stacked fields like this. He pretty much... Uh, plays well when he's got much weaker competition to go up against. It, it So it really hasn't clicked this well for him. Uh, you know, not big on the idea of playing uh, Joaquin Neiman at 8400 I just think it's overpriced. Yeah, 9800 on a FanDuel, not much better. It's just, I I don't I don't uh, I don't yes, he won at the Genesis. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Neiman did win at the Genesis, but truth be told, I, I'm I'm not as sold on Neiman yet. Yes, he got the win, I know, but more often than not, in these types of fields, these are the perfect spots where Neiman misses the cut or finishes like tied for sixty. If like I I got I got to see it from Neiman uh, to be feeling good about him. Sun J M, the less said about Sun J, the better at times. You know, he could 
he could dominate this course and shoot 10 under, or he can shoot an 11 on 17 in a blink of an eye, and you wouldn't even, you couldn't even be surprised by it because Sunjay is that erratic at times off the, off the tee. So again, uh, he's, he does well with ball striking, but it's driver at times you got to worry about. Uh, and sometimes the iron work, uh, iron play can be suspect too, but in his, uh, in his appearance last year, he did get top 20. I'm just saying Sanjay is one of the most high risk, high reward plays. And it's not as though it's a safe play. This is a very risky play. Same, same goes for Brooks Kepka. I know people want to play Brooks. I'm not going to talk you out of playing Brooks. And it's a major. So maybe Brooks turns it on. I don't, I don't necessarily want to go down that road. Uh, it's the same thing where people who are trying to play uh, Dustin Johnson. Oh, Dustin Johnson was the other guy in the 9K range I didn't mention. Uh, DJ coming off a back injury sounds like a terrible idea to be playing him at 9,800. We haven't seen him play. Brooks, health-wise, he looks like he's doing better, but that's still a question mark here. I, I just don't like these plays where you know you have so many other options you can go to. You're just trying to force something that you don't need to force. So uh, definitely not playing uh, uh, Dustin Johnson. Uh, Brooks, you know, I feel as though that 8600 price tag is a trap. So um, I'm going to need convincing to play it. I just don't see it. Billy Horschel at 8100 not interested. Uh, yes, he's been playing well. No, I don't want to trust Billy Horschel in a tight pressure spot when, you know, the slightest thing where people call for a review of uh, the weather for to see where a ball should be. I just, I think that Billy Ho is very likely to miss the cut. That's just my opinion of the matter. I just don't see this as necessarily a great spot for Horschel to be playing. You know, I I think Horschel is uh, one of those uh, picks uh, where folks are going to be wondering why they played him here. And, and it's not as though he's missed the cut a bunch of times, but his game translates into missing the cut here if he's not locked in. He's been hot. Don't get me wrong. Billy Horschel has been hot. I'm just not entirely sure it carries over as well as people think it will. Uh, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, uh, 7,800 on DraftKings, 9,500 on FanDuel. Just bad form. Yes, he could do well, but I'm just not uh, expecting much in terms of uh, of development here, uh, to be honest. It, it, I just... I look at Hatton as a guy, maybe he gets uh, through the cut line, but that's all you can expect. He's not going to be pushing the envelope uh, to win the tournament. I just, I think that your efforts are better spent uh, elsewhere uh, than uh, wasting shares on Hatton. Um, So that brings us to the range I want to be talking about, which is in the 7K range. The chalk is going to be Paul Casey. I will likely not 
be playing Paul Casey if if his ownership remains as chalky as it's looking, and it looks as though Paul Casey is going to be north of twenty percent ownership uh, in certain stakes. Uh, so uh, folks are looking at him being in his teens in the main contest, and then high stakes that means he's over twenty percent. I just don't see the point in playing Casey because more than likely he's going to be somewhere in that top 20 to 40 range uh at by the end of the tournament. Yes, he can do uh he can do, he can do uh some damage, but not exactly challenging at the top of the leaderboard come Sunday. I I just don't see it from Paul Casey and because of the ownership that's going to be on him, you know, you're you're going to just try to lap him with someone else that I think has potential. You got Max Homa. You've got a Matt Fitzpatrick. Homa is 7,500 on DraftKings. Fitzpatrick is 7,700. Uh, and, you know, the pricing that you can get on uh, some of these golfers with odds that are better than some of the guys in the AK range. So get this. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick is 7,700 on DraftKings. He's 40 to 1 to win the tournament. Neiman is 50 to 1, and Neiman's 8,400. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's like, again, some of these guys in the 8K range, I could just as easily play the 7K guy and have better odds of winning the tournament. I'm, like, why am I playing the 8K guys and trying to force, uh, force it in? Outside of uh, Lowry and Scott, I, I'm just not that interested in the 8K range. So, I mean, we've got a bunch of guys in the 7K range that, you know, I could uh, talk about uh, quite a bit. But, you know, I know we only have so much time to talk about it on the podcast. But uh, I would say you got Corey Connors here at 70 to 1. Great, like, outright odds. 7,300 on DraftKings, 9,300 on FanDuel. Has, you know, he's the the long shot that I like to win the tournament, because if you're building off of the idea of someone that has uh, Justin Thomas's skill set, you're looking at Corey Connors, elite ball striking solid with the driver. And the drawback to him is the putter. Like to me, like all the things that Corey Connors does well lines up with, if you are playing Justin Thomas, you should be playing Corey Connors as well, because the skill sets are very are a lot, very well aligned, right down to the critical flaws. They are both you're both petrified with them with the putter on a Sunday when they need to get it done. So, to me, if they get a hot putter, sky's the limit. They're 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 off to the races. So, from roster construction standpoint. I, I think I'll probably align with uh, having a rule where I'm setting up Corey Connors in the same lineups with Justin Thomas in a number of builds because I think it makes sense. I think you should be having Corey Connors, if you're believing in Justin Thomas getting it done the way he does around the course, Corey Connors should be in a very similar boat uh, with his skill set. So, I like Corey Connors quite a bit. I like Fitzpatrick. He's a grinder at 3,700. You can play Homa. He's been in incredible form. 
Siwoo Kim. Always dangerous on Pete Thai tracks. Uh, he's been... Uh, he's he's had decent course history. He was uh, top 10 last year. I think he was ninth. Uh, Siwoo, you know, could also blow, blow up uh, on the course. He hasn't actually missed the cut. But he did win. Uh, uh, he did win the players in 2017 here, so it's not as though it's out of the question that Siwoo can get it done here. He's done it. The question is, is Siwoo going to hit the water? Which is very possible. <laughs> so again, when you're talking about risk reward, you, you gotta balance it out because Siwoo's 7300, same as uh, uh, Connors. And he's a slightly better odds to win it win it outright at sixty five to one. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, you can definitely build out the bulk of your lineup in this seven k range. So you got guys like Kokrak, you got Connors, obviously. Uh, Chris Kirk is seven k a flat on DraftKings. His pricing's crazy on DraftKings. Might be even crazier on FanDuel at seventy eight hundred because on FanDuel you can just play a, a lock in Chris Kirk and just play all the top guys because of their pricing and because of the pricing structure, it just may uh, be a Chris Kirk kind of build on uh, on FanDuel uh, just to uh, get things over with. It, it just makes a ton of sense. Uh, Tom Hoagie still on the heater of his life, uh, just. Playing great golf over the past uh, three months. Uh, 7K on DraftKings, 8,600 on FanDuel. He's just been putting up results and getting results. Uh, I mean, uh, he got, he got, he, he obviously had to win um, at Pebble Beach. He was second at the Amex and uh, the waste management. He, he came in top 20. He's just been in great form. So, Again, not the craziest thing in the world. Uh, if you see some of these guys that are 75 and under, 7,500 and under, being a top 10 scorer, I can absolutely see it. And the chalkiest guy I didn't uh, really talk about is Paul Casey, who should, who is actually supposed to be one of the AK guys. He's priced at 7,400. I just think so much ownership is going to gravitate towards Casey at, at that cheap number that. I'm probably going to be matching the field. I'm I'm not entirely sure I'm going to go overweight because I'm not as much of a believer in Paul Casey winning this one outright, but he can he can put up good numbers. I I feel very confident in Paul Casey put up good numbers. Uh you know, but if somehow Paul Casey busts, maybe you can get different by playing a Cameron Young. Or an Alex Norin. Norin, 7K on DraftKings, 8,400 on FanDuel. Uh, Cameron Young is 7,200 on DraftKings. I don't think he popped up on FanDuel. I couldn't find him. So they may not have added him to the pool for some reason. Uh, but they may actually have that resolved by uh, uh, later tonight. We'll see. But it's one of those things where I think you should be building the bulk of your lineup in this 7K range. Uh, you've got guys who, I mean, Gary Woodland has, uh, uh, multiple top, uh, top five finishes this year 
is good into wind. He doesn't have the best course history uh, uh, because he's put in into the uh, uh, Drinko numerous times uh, over the years. But certainly, Woodland is a guy who could put it together for four rounds and and find himself in a winner circle. So I'm not going to go uh, necessarily crazy over, uh, you know, get try to jam in the 8K guys. I think you can live very comfortably in the 7K range. And one of my favorite plays uh, is just under the 7K range, but Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon has had back-to-back top 10 finishes here. He goes very well into these tougher courses. He uh, He's made six of his last seven cuts. He was third at the Amex. Uh, I think he was tied for top 15 at the uh, Waste Management. Harmon's form has uh, rounded back after he ended the year pretty shaky. He's starting to come back into form um, uh, following swing season. I think uh, Harmon totally makes sense uh on DraftKings. FanDuel uh the pricing is a, a bigger discrepancy cuz it's 8400. So you don't get the crazy savings that you were getting uh, potentially with Chris Kirk uh on FanDuel, but on DraftKings it just makes a ton of sense to be playing a lot of Brian Harmon. So I'll be committing to that uh, using the salary to play the big boys up top and uh, kind of go from there, but uh you know, that's all I got in terms of the breakdown because I'm not going to be focusing too much on the 6K range, uh, truth be told, because I got so much talent in the 7K range. I don't need to dip into the 6K range. I can fit in the top guys with the 7K range and have productive conversations and kind of go from there. So uh, that'll do it for me. But uh, just as a recap, you know, Think about the guys in the top uh, uh, 10K, uh, 9K and above range. Try to get two of those guys in there. And then you could supplement it with, uh, obviously, you could do all four uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the in the buildup. But at the end of the day, I would say the 7K range, if you can get that right, you're going to ship a millimaker. If you play the $25 entry, just because I don't think enough people are going to be jamming in the 7K guys to get it done. I think they'll try to do more balance build, play some 8K range. But the 7K guys have bets that are better than the 8K uh, 8K range. So in terms of the head-to-head betting markets, there are ways of going about it. So, you know, in terms of outright winners, you know, I already told you about... uh, Feeling good about Corey Connors at seventy to one. You can do Shane Lowry at fifty to one uh, at certain books. Uh, just because of the ball striking, it makes a ton of sense uh, when you're doing these outrights. Uh, Brian Harmon uh, on DraftKings, uh, you could. I still saw this up. Brian Harmon was plus one sixty to make top forty. I think that's one of the most egregious lines. I think uh, Harmon is probably T30 or better at, by the end of this tournament. Uh, I don't think it's that much of a challenge. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, just a, a couple of bets. Uh, uh, 
You got uh, Hideki top 20 finish. You can get uh, better than even money uh, as a slight dog. Uh, you know, again, this is one of the toughest courses. And, you know, you got to think about the roster construction. I think there are enough avenues to get it done using the guys in 7K range to then sort out what you want to do at the top of the range. So, uh, yeah. Uh, those are some of my thoughts in terms of uh, the outright bets and who's going to win. Uh, I still think that's this probably leans towards uh, Morikawa uh, and Rom than it does JT. But you know, stranger things have happened. So uh, I'm going to get myself out of here and just start finalizing uh, lineups uh, for tomorrow. But uh, uh, best of luck to everyone. Hopefully, this was uh, beneficial to you and. Until next time, uh, have a good one. Later. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.